0: Support comes from Austin Water, helping residents reduce water use while protecting Austin's precious resource during the drought conditions with My ATX Water, providing near real time water use data, tips, and leak alerts. More at AustinWater.org.
1: From KUT and KUTX Studios.
0: Hello, and welcome to this song the podcast where artists talk about the songs that change their lives and give us a glimpse into their creative process. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and this week on This Song, we'll hear from Austin-based singer and songwriter Walker Lukens. But before we get started, I wanted to answer the question of what you should get team this song this holiday season. All we want for the holidays is a rating or a review from you, Ratings and reviews help us a lot. They help people find this podcast, and they make us feel really great. And it doesn't take long. Like, all you do is go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, but it makes a big difference for us. So thank you in advance for the gift. Okay, back to Walker Lukens. We're big fans of him here at KUTX, the radio station in Austin, Texas, where we make this podcast. He makes music that melds pop. And rock and soul with like electronic elements, and his latest record, Tell It to the Judge, produced by Spoon's Jim Eno. It's super cool. It's got all the things that I dig, like cool sounds, an abundance of hooks, and lyrics that you can emotionally understand without literally understanding. I'm a big fan of those kinds of lyrics, and so is Walker, as I found out when I spoke to him for this podcast.
1: I was uh, 20, I was in college, uh, and I used to obsessively read all these music blogs. It was at a point, it's at that point in your life where you have just so much time. So I would even read interviews of people I didn't know or didn't like their music just because I had so much time on my hands, you know? And I was reading this interview with the guy from LCD Sound System. And I didn't, I didn't like that band at all at the time. But I was reading the interview with James Murphy, and he mentioned that song Sarah. And I remember uh, buying it on I, the iTunes store and putting it on this mix CD and playing it in my car, where I went to, I went to college in Georgetown, I went to Southwestern. Uh, it's very rural, really quickly if you drive in any direction. So I remember putting it on and like driving around and it's like an amazing, amazing driving song. I was just driving around, just like blowing off steam and I just kept listening to it over and over. It was like this thing where I came back and was trying to show it to my roommates being 20 years old and a male and living with male roommates and I play them this Fleetwood Mac song and Stevie Nicks. They're sort of like, do you ironically like this or do you really like this? That was the tone I was getting back and I was like, I think one of the most amazing things about that song is that Mick Fleetwood is playing Brushes. The drums are mixed so loud, when he start playing it's like you're on the end of the yacht just sailing into the ocean, you and Mick, it's like Titanic. It's like I'm <laughs> like, Kate Winslet and Stevie Nicks is Leonardo, Leonardo Caprio, DiCaprio and Mick Fleetwood is steering the ship. If you're a musician, you know that when someone starts rolling on their snare drum, with brushes, it feels like someone turned a fan on in the room, it is not powerful. It took me a long time to realize that he's playing brushes and that they are just so loud. In in the actual recording, it is really front and center. I also like how weird and amorphous the structure is. There's sort of two parts. There's like a verse and then this chorus, but I guess it's a chorus. I don't know. If there's any sort of repeating hook, but the lengths are the length of the verses and the choruses are seem totally driven by the lyrics and have nothing to do with like any kind of repeating pattern. It's really strange.
0: Yeah, because so many songs are like, verse A will be four lines, yeah. and the rhyming pattern will be here, and yeah. then when you're done, you will go to like...
1: And when you listen to it, I mean, I think partially it's because her melody is changing a lot. It just it does not make any sense, the way the song is written.
0: As a songwriter, I mean, is that kind of, does that become the ultimate freedom to hear a song where it's just like, oh,
1: it's like the picture could do anything? It's like the most depressing thing, because it's like not math at all writing a great song. It's just not a formula. You're like, here's a song that you're like, that has nothing to do with anything that you can plan out ahead of time.
0: You sound very disappointed that it's not math. Was there a point in time when you thought that there was like a formula?
1: Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's like a hope. There's on the reissue, there's this like rehearsal version where they're just sort of like talking cleaning lady it does not resemble the final recording at all I think it's pretty impossible to sit down on an acoustic guitar and do that song justice. Like because it's a very simple song but you need a lot of instruments to get all the motifs. I, if you like Stevie Nicks, I sort of feel like it's her, it's the best qualities of her songwriting and her voice like in one song because it's really uh it's very insistent. Like all of the parts are repeating and it kind of like insists that you listen to these same melodies over and over, but also like, the lyrics are so cryptic. You get to that line where she says, Sarah, you're the poet of my heart. Said Sarah, you're the poet in my heart. Never change, never stop. Which I don't understand what that means at all, but I love it and i I've, I've heard what the song is really about but i just like it doesn't make any sense to me
0: and it, it it's interesting because i've heard that that song is about an abortion that she yeah. had
1: right from, from a relationship with don henley
0: oh i didn't know the don henley yeah. part so that yeah. it, it's she's singing to the child that she didn't carry to term yeah um but you are right if you don't know that going in mm-hmm. you, there's like no way to there's there's there, no way to like extract yeah. that from the lyrics I think I had my match. he
1: was that part of what I love about Sarah so much is part of what I love about a lot of songs I really connect with, which is that I'm not sure what they're trying to get to tell me, but I, I get this very overwhelming feeling, you know? And I really love the feeling of Sarah. And I, I have some, I, I mean, having spent like a decade listening to that song, I have some sense of certain musical like, performance and that that enhanced that. But there still is, like, a kind of ineffable thing with that song. And I think the reason that it was so powerful to me when I was 20 was it was in the wake of, like, my dad had passed away, like, less than a year before. And it was a really confusing kind of grief, if that makes sense. Like, it wasn't, like, a clear sort of, like, process. And I think at that time, listening to music like that, to songs that connected that way was this really powerful thing because it, like, got out these feelings in a sort of, like, wholesale way. It's like, I don't know what I'm feeling, but it's a lot of feelings. It sounds like she's having a one-sided conversation in that and t- and telling Sarah, which, I mean, again, I feel like we said the real meaning and it's like now we've tarnished this song. <laughs> no, but I think I think the thing is it's it's this really beautiful sort of tribute to someone. I don't when I first heard that song I was like, "Oh, you're like talking about your friend Sarah who's always with you or something." You know, and I guess that is true, but it's so it's so not clear exactly what Stevie is trying to say, I feel like or, or there's no larger point, you know, it's sort of all these little feelings. And I think at the time I just really that just really resonated with me this like idea of uh saying all these things to someone, you know, and it not adding up.
0: I mean, it's interesting because it really is a song when you put it in that perspective. It it is a song where you can feel grief, yeah. but you also feel love. Yeah. And you feel longing, but you also there's like a be- I mean, it's a beautiful song. Yeah, I think so. Um and so it's interesting that it sounds like you needed some stuff to help you process Losing yeah. your dad, because grief is kind of like it's not a straight ahead. For it's so e- for messy. Anyone.
1: Yeah, it's really messy, and I think you know, people talk about stages of grief. I think that's the worst way to talk about it. I think grief is more like oh, uh, what are they? They're like seven stages or something,
0: which makes it seem like some kind of weird linear process, yeah, you're gonna,
1: which it's not. It's more like oh, these are seven things that you might wake up, uh, feeling this day or that day, and oh, this might take like years you don't know, you know, just sort of walk through it. And I think you know I think especially at that point in my life, the because the song was unclear, it, you know you could put a lot of your own meaning into it. I think that was part of it. I, I' never connected it with grieving when I was 20 or 21 or 22. but I think in some unconscious way like that that, that energy is there between me and the song. Another thing I've experienced is people who have a, who like my music, who have a connection with a song, and they'll tell me what it they think it means, and I'm like, oh, no, that's not at all what I meant. But that thing that they have experienced is really, it's, it's deeper to them in that way that is not at all what I intended than I could ever try to do. You know? Well,
0: I mean, it's the same experience that you have with Sarah. Yeah. Like if you went up yeah. to Stevie Nicks and you were like, "Let me tell you, yeah, what my relationship with this song is and what I think yeah. it's about," she'd be like, "Actually, I've told everyone what it's yeah, about." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But I <laughs> you think, know?
1: yeah, and I, th- I do, I do. That's definitely what sustains me. I think that's why it makes, honest, if I'm being really blunt. Uh, a lot of older male songwriters have talked to really uncomfortable. You're like, "Why do you do this?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. Just drinking beers with my friends, singing about my heart." You know, I, I think it's because it's it's a really confusing, a really uh, it is hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. And it it it's easy just to talk about it. it's like it's this disposable stuff, but there's a powerful thing in there. <laughs>
0: And this is Don't Want to Be Lonely, Don't Want to Leave You Alone from Walker Lukin's Tell It to the Judge. This song has like a similar effect on me as Sarah has on Walker. Like, I feel this song. I listen to it on repeat, but not exactly sure what he's talking about. I mean, lyrically, it's pretty obtuse, which allows me to overlay my stuff onto it. Plus, it's super catchy. Which is why I chose it as one of my favorite songs of the year for KUTX's 17 Best Songs of 2017. You can find the full list at KUTX.org. And you know what? I agree with Walker. It is important writing songs and making music. I know things are changing in the music industry that streaming services have made paying for recorded music almost obsolete, and we're American. So our first instinct is to dismiss things that don't generate money, but recorded music has value that's totally separate from its value as a commodity. I mean, being able to listen to a song on repeat, a song that helps you process emotions in a way that words alone can't, And to be able to carry that song with you throughout your life, to evolve with it and because of it, that's valuable. Or maybe it's better to say that it's invaluable. We're lucky to live in the age of recorded music, to be able to communicate with each other through reproducible sound. We're lucky, even if the market doesn't think so. I'll be sure to post a link to Walker's new record so you can listen to the whole thing on the show notes page for this episode. And I'll also post a Spotify playlist there so you can hear all the songs we referenced in this episode all the way through. And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of this song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced and edited by Art Levy and me, Elizabeth McQueen. Kelly Seal is our excellent intern. Aaron Waltz is our social media intern. Thanks to G. Drega and Peter Babb and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. And yes, it is true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.